I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Fans want you want the organization to go out and you know right away get somebody else. That's uh, safe to say you don't view that as a necessity. Those are probably fans that are not White Sox fans. White Sox fans know we got there's guys in this camp that can handle it. Oh, that's the voice of Tony Marusa, the head man of the Chicago White Sox. Their skipper. They get ready to close out the spring training over the next week here. We head towards opening day on the south side. Hour number two coming at you on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. I'm Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. And let's go out to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Let's make a little history as we do it. As my guy Herb Lawrence is on the hotline right now. You can find him on Twitter. Just spell Lawrence backwards if you're capable of that. And uh, throw the number 23 on the end of that. He is now, after you've heard him for years, right here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, you also listen to him on the Locked on Sox podcast. But now you can watch him. On CHGO White Sox, all the Chicago sports scene is a buzz about CHGO, the work they're doing, the content they're delivering over there. Herb Lawrence, a big part of that. He is here with me now this evening on The Score. Herb, what's happening, man? Big Ant, it's awesome to be back on The Score. I mean, seriously, it's been a long time. I don't even know what uh, Yeah, I mean, it's been what, what two weeks? All about. Two, two yeah, three exactly. weeks or something like that, man? <laughs> <laughs> been a minute, been a minute. Yeah. How, how they treat you over there at CHGO, man? How you liking life? It's really nice. I mean, you know, when first you get contact, you you, know, you don't think it's real, and then you start seeing the uh, building they have on the West Loop and the cameras, the equipment we use. I was like, wow, this is real. This is awesome. And the people at CHGO, which is a uh, like a subsidy of DNVR, which started in Denver, is going well right now. The people at DNVR stayed like the first couple of weeks and made sure we were straight. And now it's just us kicking ass. Oh, I can't <laughs> say that. Like oh, yeah. I, I, I got to remember, I can't swear and such. I knew ass maybe is good. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little different than the, the streaming platform you guys normally operate on. But for, for those who, because I know a lot of folks here early on are beginning to experience the platform over there. But give us a kind of a, an overall sense a few weeks into this thing. I know there's written content. There, there's visual content. There's a lot that you guys are delivering. Live streams. You can go to, to apps and download everything also. Give us kind of the, the, the first blush a few weeks into this thing of where everybody can kind of locate CHGO and especially your content that's more specific to the Sox. Yeah, the website, allchgo.com, it's where you have like all the teams in Chicago covered by a daily podcast. Right now, we got the Bears, Bulls, Hawks, Cubs, and Sox. So I'm on the Sox beat with Vinny Duber, formerly of NBC Sports Chicago. He's our beat writer who will be going to all the home games, and he'll be at Detroit when we uh, open it up next Friday, the uh, 8th of April in Detroit when the White Sox open the lid lid lifter there. And then former score guy, Sean Anderson, also. He is the yeah. main host. He's our driver. He's the, the heart and soul of CHGO White Sox. He's awesome. Young cat, about 25 years old, is uh, kicking some tails right now. And uh, all we have is, like, you know, sometimes Vinny writes an article, and that is free. And then sometimes yeah. it's behind a paywall. It depends on the article. It depends on what Vinny uh, wants to do there. And then most of the stuff is uh, free if you become a member. Like, if you become a member for a, a nominal fee for the year, you get a free T-shirt. You get, you know, access to our Discord, all that good stuff. We just want to, com- you know, bring a community of fans together. Just like the score brings people together, we want to do the same. We don't want to be a competition with anybody. We want to be, like, additive to the already burgeoning Chicago sports scene. And it's no doubt, man, it's an exciting time, as you know well, to to be a fan of the squad on the south side there, what the Sox are doing, have been building here for multiple seasons right now. So, um, you know, I I know you are no stranger to questioning what Sox management has been doing and and who (laughs) they have and have not acquired. So do you feel like you are now eliminated from, uh, from being able to consider yourself a White Sox fan with those questions that you have about the roster? (sighs) Yeah, I mean... Right after Tony said that, Rick Hahn goes out and signs two, well, trades for one, an Adam Hazley, and then goes and signs a minor league guy today in Mark Payton. So maybe Rick Hahn's not a White Sox fan either. Um, yeah, I, we all know the White Sox had two glaring weaknesses in their lineup, and it was right field and second base. They thought they can skip a Larry Garcia and Josh Harrison bias and say, hey, second base is full. It's like, it's good. It's major league level, but we're on a championship track. We don't need just an also ran second baseman. So if you do that, we'll be fine with that. Fine. We're not, we don't like it, but go ahead and get Michael Conforto. Nope. That hasn't happened. They're going to do Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Adam Engel type of thing. It's in a time where you need to be pushing on the pedal. On the right, the White Sox are slamming on the brakes, and I do not understand it. I know they people say that Jerry's cheap, but the money has been given to people. The White Sox have a top 10 payroll right now. So it's the person choosing the players that you're bringing along, and 27% or so of their money is going to the relievers, which is way high. And so I think that Rick Hahn has been subpar this year. He still has time to get somebody out there in right field or another bat because whoever's not playing right field will probably be the designated hitter that day, either between Vaughn or Sheets. So I would just say, Rick Hunt, it's like it's time to get off the pot. Like, do it or not. 
get us a person or say, hey, this is our team. We're going to this to Detroit with these 28 people and we'll be going forward because this team's going to be great. The offseason has just been very, very disappointing. As you heard the comments point coming in with Tony La Russa, the Lucas Giolito thing. A lot of stuff has been making White Sox fans really peeve this offseason. And I think that's a it, it's a noteworthy observation you're making there because the the roster as it sits right now, I mean they're they're still with good reason that the favorites in the division. So you know they're going to make the playoffs. You know they're they're likely to have some some version of home field when they do it as it sits. And I, even going into last season, I think I was mentioning this uh, the other night one of the shows I, I was hosting where even going into last season, I would text you and Lawrence every once in a while just saying like you guys sound greedy, you know, like just wanting kind of everything to come together and, and to spend on, on a variety, like backup catcher and, and the like. And I'm wondering then with, with what remains, like, you know, to, to have uh, a more dependable right fielder, to have uh, an, an extra bat for the infield. I do think, though, when you look, I mean, you got, you got Jose Abreu, you know, a, a definitive MVP. You got mm-hmm. other MVP candidates who are, who are there in the lineup surrounding him, like Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez. That doesn't even mention Tim Anderson. And who knows, we may get the best season of Yohan Moncada. He's a couple years removed from COVID and, and having a, a legit offseason. The lineup is already pretty stacked so there, there's not a level of, of comfort that that goes with the kind of this patient approach that the Sox seem to be taking oh no we know the White Sox are going to walk in the AL Center they're going to the playoffs and it's mo- mainly because of those people you named yes Monty Grandal is also going to be a power mm-hmm. bat and a guy that gets on base for the White Sox like they're stacked offensively and for the first three pitchers talking about Lynn Giolito and Cease awesome I mean that's the top three that's a top rotation at the top of your rotation for the major leagues. No, what, no matter what, like that battles the New York Mets there because they have some great arms right there. But Keuchel, you don't know what guy you're gonna get. <laughs> Kopech is doing his first innings in spring training tomorrow, and it's gonna be two innings. He's probably gonna be ready for opening day. I mean, he's not gonna pitch opening day, but he's gonna be ready for home opening day, which is the first time that he will be uh, eligible to pitch right there. But he's pitching two innings tomorrow, and then he has only has only one more start in spring training before he has to ramp up to five innings, maybe in that start. It's it's kind of questionable. He's already on probably a pitch count, a innings limit. So there's a lot of questions on a team that shouldn't have this many questions. One or two things messed up, fine. No one's perfect. But we're only holding general manager Rick Hahn's words against him. Multiple championships. Talk to me after the parade, he said. <laughs> so we're going to hold him to that. He said it. We didn't say that. I'm happy as hell. As a White Sox fan, We've this is the only time we've been to the playoffs two times in a row. I mean, consecutively. In the history of the team. It's been around 100 plus years. The only time was 2020, 2021, and we're probably going again. So a playoff appearance when the Braves went 14 in a row and only won one, I was like, that is a very successful dynasty. That's all we want. We don't I don't even necessarily need the championship, but he said it. So I'm going to hold him to it. <laughs> I feel you in that. Herb Lawrence here with me on the Circle Resort Casino in Las Vegas hotline here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Herb, of course, formerly right here of the score, now of CHGO Sports. You can find him on Twitter, 
Spell Lawrence backwards, throw the number 23 on the end of it. By the way, I've never posed this question to you before. Obviously, spelling your last name backwards is one thing. Now, is the 23, is that just obviously for, for M-Jeff, or is there something else associated with that? 23 is Robin Ventura, my favorite White Sox player back ah, in the day. Okay. And then All when right. he came the manager, people started talking to me about him, like, oh, he's terrible. It's like, mm, he's a pretty good player, so calm down on the manager <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, Robin Ventura is, was when I was a child uh, – I mean, Frank Thomas was the gold standard, but Robin Ventura, mm-hmm. it was pretty damn good himself. And you, you didn't hold the, the noogie against him? No, no. I mean, that I mean people hold that against me all the time when I bring up the name, <laughs> bring up that guy who happens to be a Hall of Famer who beat him up in Texas. I don't know what Robin was doing there. Uh, <laughs> lapse of judgment. I mean, going against a 46-year-old Nolan Ryan at the time. Yeah, man. The man got his right tail kicked. <laughs> <laughs> he attacked the wrong mound, as we all saw. All right, well, since we're uh, talking about you know days of, of yore here with the Sox, so the the recent past of Craig Kimbrell hasn't been all awful. And when you think about the the first season that he was on the North Side, he was bad, and mm-hmm. then he recovered through the first half of last season. Now, of course, when he came to the South Side, things went horribly wrong. But I don't know. I'm I'm not. I'm not beyond the notion that maybe Craig Kimbrell could actually pitch well because the, the, the pure stuff, it's not like his arm fell off when he went from Wrigley to Sox Park last season. It just The location was off. It just seemed like for whatever reason, not being in the night, threw things off and whether LaRusso mismanaged it or, or whatever. But I, I, I don't believe Craig Kimbrell has pitched like his last quality inning of baseball. So how big a deal is it for the Sox as you see it that they haven't yet, whether they haven't been able to trade him, haven't gotten the offer that they're looking for. Maybe they're just being patient, thinking, hey, who knows, man, maybe this guy could still deliver for us a little bit here. Where are you at right now with Craig Kimball still being a member of the Sox? I think the White Sox made a mistake when they gave him his $16 million. Um, They could have just declined that and paid him $1 million to walk and be a free agent. Um, I think that Craig Kimbrough's highest market was before the lockout and right after the lockout. If he pitches for the White Sox this season and pitches well, the White Sox are going to keep him. They're not going to trade him. Like, they're a championship-caliber team. Why would you trade a good bullpen arm that's dominating? And if he does poorly, his market's going to tank more. And you're going to be holding the bag the whole year for Craig Kimbrough. So I'm set on Craig Kimbrough's going to be on the White Sox. And whatever role he has, he has to get his mind right because these guys are creatures of habit. So that whole first half with the Cubs, dealing, killing, and he knew his role. He knew that the ninth inning was his. Came up to the Sox, he had an open mind, but still, you're a creature of habit. You're ready to go in the ninth, go in the eighth. And, you know, whatever, whenever the manager calls you, you're supposed to perform. But I can understand when a baseball player doesn't do well and... He's outside of his role, and then he fails. So this year, whatever inning it is, he has to get his mind right say, I'm not the closer anymore. I'm a reliever. I'm a setup guy. I'm getting the ball to Liam Hendricks, who is currently the best reliever in the game. So let me get my mind right. Let me be the Hall of Famer that I am and get the job done because otherwise, you know, you're you're taking your own Hall of Fame legacy. And then you're hurting the White Sox. I think the guy just needs a steady plan. Hey, you are pitching today. Seventh inning, eighth inning. We got to lead Craig Kimbrell time. And I think he'll do well. Because, as you said, when he came with the Cubs late in 2019, struggled. 
because it was in the middle of the season. Didn't have a regular spring training. Didn't have a regular first half of the season. 2020, shortened season. Struggled again, but a little bit better because David Ross and them worked with him and got him into situations where it's a little bit better for his psyche and got him out before he hurt himself. And that's why 2021 with the Cubs happened because they were working on things. They got his mind right. And I hope the White Sox, with this brief time after the lockout, have talked to him. Ethan Katz has talked to him and said, hey, this is your role. We're going to flourish in it. You're going to do well. And here's the ball in the eighth inning. And he'll do well. I think he'll do well. Uh, probably won't be the guy that was last year in the Cubs, but much better than the guy that showed up with the White Sox. Before I let you run, man, I'm curious because the just the way the whole roster shapes out, you know, we've, we've been talking about some of those key names that everybody loves, that everybody's really excited about. I'm just wondering where you – know, I, I, you know, I've talked to you about this with a variety of the teams around the city before where development is, is such a huge part of whether or not, you know, whether or not the Cubs – you know, were able to sustain their window, which, you know, we didn't see those young, talented guys that won the World Series. They didn't all continue to ascend. And I've talked about the Bears not ascending after that first season with Matt Nagy. And now we're, we're looking at the White Sox, and I'm looking at development through a similar lens because you got a lot of these young, talented boppers, and you got a lot of money that's spent on the pitching staff. But uh, I'm wondering, is there an individual player that excites you most that you're just you know, waiting on the, the development that will be there and all the health that for the moment is there that wasn't there for a lot of last season. Is there one that stands out to you that you're most excited to watch his development this coming year? Yes, it's Luis Robert. He, mm-hmm. is, he has the potential to be the best player in baseball. The mm-hmm. brief period he played last year, he was dominant. He was so awesome, both with the glove and with the bat. He showed a little patience at, uh, with the bat. And his on-base percentage was on the high, I think, 350s, 360s last year. There's no limits to this guy's ability. None at all. It's just health. Literally, if he's playing 150 games, he's going to hit 30-plus home runs. He's going to steal 30-plus bags. He's going to make great catches. You're going to see him on highlight reels everywhere. And if he's batting second like he's projected to, he's going to score a lot of runs for the White Sox. And that's going to be great for their offense. Um, He's limitless like when he first came up you know how gms and front office people and guys like steve stone are kind of you know they're hesitant to say this guy is this superstar this guy is this hall of famer there was no hesitation from the likes of rick hahn or steve stone to throw names like willie mays out there roberto Clemente. you know real real hall of fame legendary players before the guy even took one pitch in the majors that's when i knew he was special and once he gets healthy and stays healthy same thing kind of with byron buxton up in minnesota but to a lesser degree Luis robert could be the best player in baseball i have already picked him for the mvp this year in our predictions and a lot of people are excited to see what year number three brings for Luis robert with good reason, man. I mean, that, he's got Kent Griffey Jr. written all over, and there's just so many things that he just makes look really easy on the baseball fields. I think that's a good pick. Couldn't agree with you more, man, and I could not appreciate more. First opportunity for you to be in this this non-producer, this guest <laughs> analyst, interviewee, as opposed to interviewer slot. Glad we can make a little history here, man. I appreciate you joining me, Herb. Thank you very much, Anthony. It was always good to talk to you. And, uh, you know, we'll chop it up next time the Iowa Hawkeyes play the A-Line-I. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's no early doubt, this season football. Yeah, there's a few questions to be answered there in Shambana, as you know. So we'll, we'll be all over it, man. I appreciate you, Herb. All right, that man. is Herb Lawrence with me on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. One thing I didn't discuss 
with Herb there. Uh, the, the starting pitcher in today's spring, spring training game. He's, uh, he's debuted, uh, some new lettuce, uh, some, some new facial lettuce there, but below, below the nose, above the upper lip. It's an area I struggle. Herb's pretty effective at growing facial hair. I'm not so much, but, uh, well, they actually addressed it on the broadcast today, and I got a little bit of a kick out of that. We'll keep some White Sox discussion rolling next here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm just looking forward to tomorrow, just seeing how I feel the next day. And, I mean, that's a hope, but, you know, you can't rush things. Don't want to overdo it. How does it feel today versus after the injury? Oh, it's it's tenfold better. Um, you know, it's I was kind of shocked how quick I was starting to feel better. I thought I'd be on crutches for the week to two weeks. And the second day I came in, I threw the crutches in the training room and said, I'm good. That's right, Andrew Vaughn. Crutches. I was actually, my wife just brought uh, today, she found uh, some old, like, crutch crutch bits, crutch parts. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not even sure what the proper term for it would be, but, you know, when you, I've, I've had to use crutches quite a bit in years past with the wide variety of, of surgeries that I've had over the years, and you know, they, they got like the, the underarm pads and the hand pads and nuts and bolts and the the kind of floor cushiony thing on the bottom of the crutches. Um, my wife actually just happened to as we're kind of, you know, we're, we're going to be we're going to be, uh, you know, buying and selling here later on in the year from a home perspective. So we're just we're unloading a few things. We're, we're purging a bit. And uh, my wife brought me some old uh, crutch bits just from from like old like just a plastic bag full of like crutch pieces and parts that I'd accumulated in years past and um, you know she brought it up she's trying to decide like hey you know do you want to keep this you want to get rid of it that's just been a, a common discussion that we've been having in my household here lately what are we keeping what are we getting rid of what are we packing away what are we removing what are we donating all that kind of stuff and the uh, the bag of crutch bits was uh, was one of the things that she brought to my attention today and I gotta admit, took me a minute. Had a lot of surgeries in years past. I wasn't completely sure, and, and I know there are more surgeries to come. There are surgeries that I've been delaying having, especially on on my knees, especially my left knee. Man, it gives me all kinds of issues. But you know, so I, I had to sit there and think about it for a moment. And this is one of those things. I'm sure we all go through it at times where you're kind of thinking, like, do I? Do I, like, do I still want this as one thing? Because I think more often than not, when there's something that, that you've had for a long period of time, there is a little bit of that emotional tie to it if it's something that, that you've gotten good use out of before. But then the period of my life where I was having a bunch of surgeries, I mean, for the most part, you, you don't enjoy having you know orthopedics come in, slicing and dicing on you, but that was just that was a period of my life where I was going through a, a lot of those. And so spent some time thinking. I just, uh, one, I just kind of, you know, had a, a quick trip down memory lane, just thinking about like, all right, which, which surgery was this piece from? Which surgery was that crutch from? Uh, you know, Andrew Vaughn was talking about throwing his crutches away and getting ready to play for opening day. I respect that. I dig that. I actually just had my own little personal crutch moment uh, today. In the end, as we talked back and forth about it for a moment, I said, you know what, get rid of them. Because when it comes down to it, in theory, I, I don't know which uh which surgeon I'll be using when the time comes or anything yet because I don't have something scheduled, but it comes down to it after the surgery. They'll provide some fresh crutches. And that, that's what, you know, you just got to, uh, I had to think about it for a moment in those terms. Like, well, 
I always have some crutches on standby before, but it's not like I'm still out here padding up and running into people anymore. So I, I can stand to get rid of the various crutch bits that, that I still, for whatever reason, have in my home here. Um, so I, I, I think in the past I did a pretty effective job of recovering from surgery. And, that, and I don't know, Caesar, actually just before, uh, just to make sure, before I completely get rid of all my crutch bits, are you are you a guy who, do you require crutches very frequently? If I was going to, as opposed to like, taking them to Goodwill or something like that. Like, would you, would you like my crutch bits? I got pads. I got, I got nuts and bolts. I got little metal pieces that attach here and there. Just if crutches ever fell apart on me, because I used to be a, a rather massive individual. Would you like my old crutch bits, Caesar? I, I don't, I can't think of a reason off the top of my head to take them. I've never had any leg issues. The only bone I've ever broken in my life was my wrist. And that was uh, on a blindside hit running down on kickoff in high school. So, Oh, look uh, at you. Yeah, but no, no never, I don't have any wood to knock on, but uh, <laughs> never any, you know, leg injuries or broken bones in my legs or knee problems or anything. Uh, I, I can't think of a reason I would take them from you. And I, and the last thing, uh, I seem to always bring up my wife, right? But the last thing my wife would want me to do is bring home another bag of useless junk. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> All right. Well, don't say I never offered you anything. All right. Cesar Perez does not need my old bits and pieces of crutches from, from days bygone. Um, so sounds like Caesar's been Caesar's been pretty effective at at avoiding uh, surgeries and avoiding lower body injuries. I have not been very good at that. Uh, one other thing I haven't been great at is is facial hair growth. Um, I'm I'm very good when I choose to at growing hair on my head. Like this is the time of year where I'll just when I'm not like right now I'm doing pretty much all radio. Not every once in a while, like if I'm you know, filling in during one of the one of the day parts, you'll see me on the Twitch stream. But I, I do my every morning, uh, weekday mornings from from seven to ten a.m. Central Time on Sirius XM Channel three seventy two, Big Ten Radio. Uh, I do my Big Ten show for Sirius XM weekday mornings, and then I, I do my various shifts here on the Score, usually uh, weeknights and various evenings, or filling in on certain afternoons and and the like. But I'm not on TV, and so there's no need to groom myself consistently like I normally would during the football season when I spend a lot of time on camera for a variety of networks. So I tend to just let my hair grow. The thing is, it gets uncomfortable at a certain point. You know, like the, the facial hair gets really itchy and splotchy and it doesn't grow in very well. And the hair on my head, especially the back, like I've got, you, you all know the, the swirls on the back of your head. Where I think most people, most like kind of normal humans, have one of those swirls in the back of their head, where it's it's like the the epicenter, like the genesis of of your hair growth. So most people have, I believe, one of those swirls in the back. For whatever reason, I got two of them. So then, when the hair grows in, because for years now, since I was in high school, I've just pretty consistently just shaved my head bald, really just you know from a low maintenance perspective. And like I said, this is the time of year where I normally do it. Last few years, I, I post a picture when I let the hair grow out and I throw the pick in there or whatever just to kind of get a kick out of it. But my head gets really uncomfortable while that's going on. So it's not, it's not a process I necessarily enjoy, but I just, I don't need, I don't feel a need to cut it because I'm not going on camera anywhere. So I just, you know, pretty often don't do it. This week, actually just yesterday, I decided, went ahead because we are, 
getting ready to head out, going to go on vacation. Figured, you know what? Let me go ahead. And I'm going to, I cut my hair yesterday. I'm probably going to cut it one more time before we actually, before we actually leave the country this weekend. But I wanted to get the initial one out of the way just to get past some of the discomfort. Then it kind of grows back in a little bit. I'm going to cut it again. Um, but the hair growth on the head, never been an issue. Hair growth on the face has always been a problem. And when it shows up sometimes, and you know, everybody doesn't even always recognize me when it's there. It sounds like maybe uh, Dylan Cease had a, a similar reaction from his teammates. It's, it's becoming a storyline in spring training for the White Sox, the facial hair, uh, the mustache that Dylan Cease has. I mean, he's a young man. He's 26. And I don't know. I, I didn't get to the point where I even needed to start shaving consistently until I was probably in like my mid thirties. There's only been a few years where I've even had to shave my face on a regular basis. I, you know, my hair will grow fine on my head, pretty much everywhere else. I don't have a whole lot of hair growth on the body. Um, you know, we're not going to get into too much detail on certain spots that do and don't, but the facial hair is not something that has ever been my strong suit. But Dylan Cease showed up to spring training with a mustache and he, he's had down a the- variety of versions of it. And uh, we, they actually got into that on today's broadcast. It was actually Chuck Garfine who told a little story about Dylan Cease and the growth of his facial hair that ended up being the, the mustache that he ended up growing. There was a couple of different versions of that throughout the offseason as he was getting ready to head out west to AZ. Here's what it sounded like on NBC Sports Chicago. Breaking down the Dylan Cease mustache here. So this was the talk of camp when he arrived. No one knew he had this mustache. He shows up the first day and the White Sox tweeted a photo of it and the word got out and then everyone showed up and saw it and his teammates have called him Freddie Mercury they've called him Luigi Uh, he said over the winter in Georgia he had a pencil thin mustache at one point but he's like you know what this is not me this is not me so he had a beard going for a while and then he tried the thick mustache we see here today he went to work out with his friends he said it was a hit and Lucas Giolito said listen if you feel nasty you're going to be nasty. And so far, he's pretty nasty with that mustache. The Steve Stone mustache, if I might add. It's a little uh, little like John Wilkes Booth, I think. Oh, right. If you take a look at some pictures of, of him. I'm sure that was, that's the look he's going for. I think, I think he was thinking about that. Oh, my. It was a fun broadcast today, and I mean, you know, Jason Benetti, Steve Stone, they're always kind of getting into it. They give each other a hard time, and they have they have fun in the majority of the shows, but you could, like, there were some audio issues going on that they were kind of clowning around about a little bit, and then Dylan Cease's mustache and the, the story that Chuck Garfine told there was another moment where it just, you know, it's just, it's one example of many and the ability to kind of morph in and out from the, the straight analysis of what's going on on the field to some of those goofball moments that they have back and forth as well. So it's just, it was nice to, to hear that. Nice to, uh, to see that Dylan sees through the ball well today. So that's certainly a positive sign for the White Sox. We we're just talking to Herb Lawrence about it uh, a moment ago, just in regards to what he can mean. And we'll see, man. I mean, if you get a consistent Dylan Cease who continues to grow as he's into his mid-20s now, maybe he'll be entering his prime here. Everybody's waiting on what Michael Kopech can become and can he be a, a consistently healthy starting pitcher, you know, for you know, for for lack of anything else, because you know the arm gifts are there. I was talking about Jay Cutler. You certainly don't want 
Michael Kopech to be compared to Jay Cutler as his career moves forward, aside from just the, the ungodly talent that he possesses for what he does. So you hope that can become something consistent for him on the diamond. But it's fun to hear them giving, uh, giving Dylan Cease a little bit of a hard time about uh, I, don't, I don't know if the mustache is going to stay or not. Sounds like the advice he's getting from Giolito and maybe some others is that if he's throwing the ball well, then you might as well stick with it. But I know I, I do not have the ability to grow anything like what he's got above his upper lip at the moment. But who knows? You know, Maybe as I get older, maybe I, I will eventually. But I, I have shaved as we are getting ready to head out. And I like to look clean shaven when a bunch of folks are going to see me. We're going to transition back to some Bears conversation here. We've got Cam Ellis on the other side of this timeout talking about what's happening out in Florida and what those guys over at House Hall have got going on or maybe the lack thereof. We'll do that next here on The Score. And if it's that's signing a slot receiver or a U tight end or, or a guard or a D tackle or a corner, whatever that is, you're making the best decision and taking the best player that you think is going to help your football team. I think you just look at it through that lens. You'll be hearing that, boys, a lot. Boots. Matt Eberflus talking to the assembled media down there in Florida. And as that has all begun playing out here, got some breaking news. And breaking news on the score is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. And in just the last few minutes here, it has been reported. The news has been confirmed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. that Bruce Arians has decided to retire from coaching the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who won the Super Bowl, of course, two seasons ago. A man who reportedly had been at odds at times with Tom Brady here over this last season. And Tom Brady decides to run it back, catches a few folks off guard because of some of those reports of some discord between himself and And Arians, now Arians stepping aside, going into retirement, reportedly moving to the Buccaneers front office. And now defensive coordinator Todd Bowles will get another opportunity as a head coach in the National Football League. And so to discuss the Chicago Bears is why we had Cam Ellis of the score on the show here. We had Cam booked for that. But initially, as this news breaks here, Cam, certainly got to get your thoughts on uh, another opportunity to add a second ring here and, you know, maybe sort of shape his career in a Hall of Fame track for Bruce Aarons. Yeah, he's a little long in the tooth, but you get two rings and you got a bunch of wins over a span of time here with a couple of different franchises. No reason to think Bruce Arians couldn't have shaped a, a Hall of Fame sort of perspective on his career. He decides to step away. So let's dive right into that, man. I appreciate you joining me this evening. What is your reaction to the Bruce Arians news? I appreciate you having me. Um, you know, I I don't think I was necessarily surprised. You know, I think any time a coach steps away like this, like we're so used to, you know, following the NFL, being shocked by news every, what, like seems like two days or whatever. Um, I, it seemed like, this was maybe in the cards. I certainly understand the surprise in the sense that, you know, it's, it's hard to walk away from a, a Super Bowl roster with Tom Brady returning. Like that, that, is a, that is a strange thing objectively to walk away from. But, you know, it, the people around the team had sort of talked about how it wasn't as smooth sailing as people had always thought and that Bruce Arians maybe wasn't quite as in it as people had expected. And so I guess I'm not totally surprised. You know, I think a lot of people would be happy to see Todd Bowles get another shot. Um, but, I think this was sort of the end game for Bruce Arians eventually. And, you know, when, when, you, when you know you're ready to go, you know you're ready to go. And then that, it's, it's almost that simple sometimes. 
Yeah, it certainly seems like, you know, the the way some of those moments took place last season, you know, he's striking a player in, in the midst of an intense moment and, you know, the reports about he and Brady not quite getting along. And, you know, I, it felt to me like if Tom Brady could find a way to manage a relationship with Bill Belichick for all the years that he did that in New England and Bruce Arians, you know, while he was willing to to question Brady in public or, you know, say things they could be construed as calling him out in the media. I mean, Brady spent two decades dealing with Belichick. So I didn't necessarily think that Bruce Arians being willing to say he threw a bad ball when he was talking about Brady with the Tampa Bay media, that that would be something where, where the relationship struck me as being necessarily that fractured. Do you, do you think that, that whatever their relationship was or wasn't is, is a factor in this at all with Arians stepping away? Um, I, I don't think totally. You know, I certainly can imagine a world where they're not best buds and sort of the honeymoon wore off quickly. Um, but no, I, I think people have sort of people around Arians who have always followed him sort of have always talked about how he marches to the beat of his own drum and sort of he's very he's very strong with his convictions and he knows what he wants and he knows what he doesn't want. And so you know, well. Uh, I don't. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they're not good friends, and there is some friction that maybe sped up this process to a certain degree. Uh, I think this was more Arians just knowing, hey, my time is my time, and uh, you know I want to set up my assistant coaches and Todd Bowles in a position where they can succeed, and uh, I want to push them upwards in terms of their careers. And I think it was just sort of a, a more so a moment where everything, the timing was was right. And I think when you know, you have the luxury of having a couple rings. You can take that decision and base it more on timing than anything else. Cam Ellis, my guest here, he joins me on the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. You can find Cam on Twitter at Kingsley Ellis. Well, we did have the initial intention here of talking bears with you, so let's get into some of that as well, Cam, as we've had the opportunity to hear more now from Ryan Poles, from Matt Eberflus. Let's let's start with Poles and just your evaluation of how his initial offseason heading into what will a month now or a month from now be the NFL draft. What are your impressions about what he has and, and to a large extent has not been doing so far transaction wise? You know, I think it's, I don't think there's any reason to panic so far. I, I think that it was pretty obvious across the board that this was going to be a, a, not necessarily a, an exciting offseason, but maybe a slow one as well. And I think there was a an idea that this was going to be a process and that you shouldn't expect a, a more, you know, Ryan Case style offseason where you're just throwing money at people and trying to plug holes that way. Um, with that being said, you know, I, I think that there has been some, some, some bumps. You know, I, I, I don't think it's out of line to say that it hasn't gone as smoothly as they would have liked. You know, I, I think losing Ogunjobi, I think losing out on Ryan Bates, I think those are moves that the, the Bears sort of have to take on the chin here. And yeah, I don't think that anything is going to make or break their season or make or break Justin Fields' career, so to speak, in terms of moves they make. Do we still have Cam? All right, we may have lost Cam there for a moment. We'll see if we can get him back, Caesar. But but part of what he's going into there is just in, in description of Ryan Poles' approach. And actually, uh, there was a, a good piece that Cam wrote on 670thescore.com if you want to check that out. But in, in just kind of describing where Ryan Poles is at 
with this Bears offseason that there is a, a level of patience that, you know, that it would seem the Bears are asking Bears fans to have for the moment because there's not splash deals taking place. But while there's money to spend, and it's going to have to be spent uh, in just accumulating more talent on the roster, frankly, even if it's not a bunch of high-level talent, they just need guys. You know, they, they do have to fill out the roster. And there's additional, there's at least one additional mandatory minicamp that they're allowed to have here because you're a new coaching staff. You have a new regime in place. I went through that my rookie year in Detroit where, uh, where it was Marty Morningweg's first year as the head coach with the Lions, Matt Millen's first year as the general manager with the Lions. And so there's an additional minicamp we were able to have then. So it does at least allow you the potential on the field to be you know, fairly prepared when the time comes. Didn't, didn't serve us so well in Detroit. We'll see how it serves the Bears this year. We got, we got Cam Ellis back here with us on the score. We, we lost you there for a moment, Cameron. You were kind of describing your thoughts on, on this Bears offseason as it's going right now. Uh, I'm sorry. My, my phone connection is apparently worse than the Bears offseason. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like, uh, like I said, you know, I, I think there's, there's no reason to panic, but – I, I don't think it's unfair to say that there have been some bumps in the road. You know, I don't necessarily like if if the Bears had come out and said, "Hey, we're going to openly try and sign," you know, Ogunjobi and Bates, and then drop like miss out on both of them. Like that's objectively not a great look, and it's not going to make or break anyone's careers or make or break a season. But like these, this doesn't happen to a lot of teams, you know. Like, and so I think you can look and say that there's probably still a great play, plan in place while at the same time it's not being executed super well right now. And, you know, through the, you know, between Ryan Bates, Larry Ogunjobi, and not getting interior linemen that they wanted, that they targeted on either side of the ball, the question does linger now for for playmakers around Justin Fields. And, you know, I think we all like Darnell Mooney. I don't necessarily hear Mm -hmm. a lot of folks, and myself included, who feel like Darnell Mooney is some kind of surefire ace, number one wide receiver. So you got the development of Fields that that lingers and whether or not they're surrounding him with the talent that can help support that development. What what are your thoughts on on where the Bears' offense around Fields sits right now? Well, right now it's not very good. You know, like if I, if, I, if they play tomorrow, things would not go very well, I imagine. Um, you know, I, I think that there's still a lot of reason to believe that it can improve even this year just in the draft. You know, I, I think they're going to make some moves in the draft, and I think they're going to make some more moves in free agency. You know, uh, it's only been two weeks, and I, so I certainly understand uh, the impatience because of just the, the lack of moves and the, the moves not planned it, excuse me, planning out, like, there's still a lot of time. And so they're going to have moves to be made and they're going to have some draft picks. So it will look better. Um, I don't think it's going to happen in one year. So I don't expect the offense to be a top five, top seven offense next year. But at the same time, it's going to look better than it is right now. And I think that is about as good as you can take it, all things considered right now. How do you interpret Nick Foles still being on this roster. You bring in Trevor Simmons. You got a, I guess, a a fourth quarterback in in the fold for the moment. But what do you make of of Nick Foles still being a Chicago Bear right now? You know, I I, I think it's sort of, outside of being very awkward, it's just sort of a product of Nick Foles' skills and and his contract. Like, he he is owed a lot of money. And I don't necessarily think that a team is bending over backwards to get Nick Foles, what he showed, you know, with his with the Bears for the money that they would have to pay him, and I don't know if the, you know, I don't think the Bears are 
bending over backwards to eat salary on that end either. So I don't expect him to be on the team when, you know, mini camp starts and training camp certainly starts and going forward. I think that's why they brought Trevor Simeon in. Um, but but I, I think it's going to be hard to find a trade partner for him just because the Bears don't really have any leverage there. Like, they, they, they've sort of played their hand, and it's going to end up not going well for them just because of, like a lot of other players on the roster, sort of the contract they were given before, you know, the new front office came in. Yeah, the offseason has uh, been moving transaction-wise. What's moved out, what won't be back, has moved at a at – a, I suppose somewhat of a rapid pace, but what's coming in has been much, much slower. But I suppose there's a lot yeah. of things that are understandable about that. As always, man, great stuff. Cam, really appreciate your time. Look forward to your coverage continuing. I was talking a little bit about the the article, the piece you wrote for 670thescore.com as well. Look forward to reading more of that. I appreciate it. Uh, have a good one. All right, appreciate you, Cam. That is Cam Ellis of The Score. He is on Twitter at Kingsley Ellis. We'll transition back to some some baseball talk. And, and some other topics. We'll talk some Cubs here and a little bit of entertainment. I'm sure all of you uh, saw and heard about and probably even tweeted about what happened with Will Smith and Chris Rock over the weekend. Get a little bit of the inside dope with our next guest. We'll do that here on The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 